Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Hey, welcome back into the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. To my left on the screen is Matt Okada. Right below us on the screen is John Helmkamp. Fellas, how are we doing? Uh, it is Tuesday evening. This will be in your podcast app and on YouTube uh, on Thursday. Hope you guys are having a great week. What's going on? Uh, it would be better if it wasn't so hot. I don't know why my little apartment that I have is, is such an oven, but outside it's quite nice. It is a lovely Southern California day near the coast. It's like 70 and sunny, but for some reason in my apartment, it's Beautiful. like 700 and sweaty. So... That's why I'm wearing a tank top, as per the usual. I'd rather be wearing nothing. <laughs> Inside, but for the listeners uh, and viewers, mainly for the viewers, <laughs> mostly. I wear this. Um, inside <laughs> my rest. apartment, it's like a cool, average Southern California uh, day, close to the coast. Um, keeping it balmy with the air conditioning. Outside is hell. Like what Okada's experiencing inside Actually, hell. his apartment Today's 109. The hottest day of the year so far is forecasted for this coming Sunday. Would you like to guess? 113. 16. 116 forecasted for this Sunday. Why you do this, Arizona? And I will not be leaving my apartment at all. <laughs> that's like that's so hot. I cannot that say you, I blame you. That's so hot that when you're walking through a parking lot at a grocery store, the bottom of your shoe like starts to get tacky, like it starts to melt. Oh my god! On the blacktop because it's <laughs> that hot. So yeah, no thanks. I won't be leaving my apartment basically ever. And the monsoons need to get here. I'm I'm so <laughs> basically ever so ready, so ready for the monsoons. <sighs> Oh my gosh, that sounds absolutely miserable. It is. Um, but man, we got a good show for everyone tonight. We are talking top 12 tight ends for the 2020 season. Guys, it's Scott Fishbowl week. We've got stuff going on yeah. with uh, ballblastfootball.com. We have new exciting uh, announcements coming soon for that. A new perk for patrons, spoiler alert, coming soon, which I don't want to spoil, you know, so we'll, we'll just tease it. Um, and if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash ballblast. If you missed it somehow in the last week, we have partnered with Kate Michelle Majuk. We are now one team, one uh, group of writers, analysts, whatever. Two shows, one website, ballblastfootball.com. Check it out. All sorts of good stuff going up there today. I put up three different uh, sports betting articles, ways to make money, ways to get rich. Um, all I got to say is we are going to be popping bottles. Yeah, we are. Let's Hopefully. go. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but with that being said, guys, let's get into the show. Uh, we just have to talk about this real quick. Holy speaking Patrick of popping Mahomes. bottles. Yes. Yeah, speaking of popping bottles. <laughs> you know what? I, I I just want to know what I'm doing in like two years, let alone what I'm doing in 10 years. 12, Patrick actually. Patrick Mahomes signs a mega deal. Yeah, exactly, because he's still under contract for yeah. these next two years. $503 million. Guys, what? That's a lot of money. <laughs> the first half billion oh dollar man in NFL history. Uh, actually, in professional um, sports, richest contract in that's all true. American he professional sports. That's true. He by quite a bit. Yep. Uh, have we learned yet officially whether there is salary cap tied language in this? I know it was mentioned a couple times that there may be. 
I still don't the think last, I haven't heard. I've, okay. I saw that rumor though. The last thing that I saw that it did not. I like I saw that original like news yeah. blurb swirl where there was the thought that that might be tied to the cap, which yeah. I thought would be freaking brilliant. Um, it would but be. But then I think I saw something after that that was refuting it. So I'm like still not clear. Um, all that I know is Patrick Mahomes just got a truckload of money for a very long time. He's under contract until he's like 34, 35, I think it is. Five, yeah. Five, 35. I say six, but yeah, mid-30s. Um, so, I mean, to put a fantasy twist on this in Dynasty, draft any Kansas City skill player ever <laughs> for the next decade. Uh, that's basically all <laughs> yep. you need to know. Craig, Love right. it. Dude got that money. Boys, we're... Sorry, lagged out there for a minute. Uh, mark this down, <laughs> Okada. We are at minute 511. All right, boys. With that being said, let's get into our top tight end rankings. And let's just stick with the Chiefs, guys. Let's let's be hot takey here. Let's put Travis Kelsey at number one in the consensus ranks. That's where we have him for this season. All three of us. Travis Kelsey, fellas, what is there to say? I mean, the dude hasn't finished lower than tight end two since 2015. It is 2020. Goodness. That is a long time of absolute massive consistency. He's got the best quarterback in football. What's there to say? Uh, I wonder if we're getting to the point, and I don't know where the crossover is, where Travis Kelsey is the greatest fantasy tight end of all time. Yep. <clears throat> because Gronk was certainly as dominant or even more dominant in some seasons, but he had a lot of seasons where he missed time and his career was pretty short. Well, the heyday of his career was relatively short for fantasy. Kelsey's consistency plus top end of, you know, one or two, as you just mentioned, fantasy production is insane. I Yeah, there is nothing to say. I mean, I suppose that we should make an argument or someone should make an argument, hey, it's George Kittle. I don't really think that it is. Kelsey has better touchdown upside. Kelsey has a better quarterback and a better overall offense, although there's nothing wrong with the 49ers for sure. Uh, and he's just as talented. Until we see a fall-off, which I think is probably still two or three years away at least. I believe he's 31. 30 or 31 years old. Uh, Sounds correct, yes. He's going to be my number one. 30. Turns, turns, nice. th turns 31 in October, so when the ah, season is go. about a month old. Um, yeah, I mean, you look down his stats... These are like wide receiver one numbers, not tight end numbers. It's absolutely insane. I mean, since coming onto the scene in 2014, he came into the league in 2013, only played one game. He started at tight end in 2014. His his basically red shirt, but um, tis season. Hey. Oh. He had 862 yards in his first 16 game season as a tight end. In his second season, 875. Since then, over 1,000 for four straight years. Uh, early in, the, in his career, he was not a massive red zone weapon, which is why he was like a, a mid-range tight end one, but still putting up those you know tight end one or two numbers because of the insane yardage and the reception totals. Um, but then in 2017, eight touchdowns. Um, in 2018, 10 touchdowns. So he's shown... Elite red zone opportunity as well. I think if Mahomes wasn't injured last year, he would have had another 8-10 to 10 touchdown season. 
Um, yep. Still managed to put up over 1,200 receiving yards with Mahomes going through an injury. It's just, it's insane. You can basically chalk him for anywhere from 11 to 1,300 yards this year with probably 8 to 10 touchdowns. Is probably just yep. chalk Travis Kelsey this season. That's perfect. He scored 18 times over the past two years prior to last year in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Scored five last year. So, yes, he's going to bounce back to that 8 to 10 mark with potentially more. Um, yeah, what's there to say? Obviously, R1. I guess the only real discussion, guys, is is where would you draft him in a redraft league? Like, would you do you want Travis Kelsey so much in your roster that you want to draft him in the back end of round two? Because according to uh, ADP right now, that is where he's going. Yes. Single quarterback this is redraft? Something, yeah. Single quarterback redraft. This is something that I have talked about several times on our podcast and elsewhere in the Twitterverse and things like that. If I'm picking early in a redraft league, uh, that means I'm getting an elite running back in the top four. If I can come back and get Travis Kelsey at the back of the second, the receiver depth this year is insane. Yep. I am still getting two wide receiver twos easily and probably a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two or something close to it in the next several rounds. And I, it's it's no question for me because the upside and the advantage you're getting with Kelsey over the rest of what you could pick there is not even questionable for me. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm all in there. So back of the second. So let's say that you have what what are we, are we talking like the two eleven two ten like somewhere in that ballpark is where he's, he's going. going at the two oh eight two oh eight. Okay, so let's say that you're picking fourth in a one quarterback league. You're talking about Alvin Kamara potentially mm. coming back and getting Travis Kelsey and then looping back around and getting like who Robert Woods DJ Moore. Uh, a good um, receiver. A really solid back-end wide receiver one in the Probably third. even better than that. You can probably get Adam Thielen. Yeah, DJ Moore, yep. Cooper Cup. Cup would be great. You're getting, like, you're getting yep. a wide receiver one. Fringe that, re- wide receiver yeah, one. Yeah, that, that start. Alvin Kamara, Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup. Done. Like, sign me up. I want that Love 10 it. times out of 10. Um, Love it. Big heart. Wide, yeah, and then you can go like two more running backs in the next consecutive rounds probably wait and come back and get your wide receiver two in the fifth or sixth um somewhere along those lines that sweet. would be just absolutely juicy i love that strategy sweet i'm gonna go ahead and just mark the time on this um set a reminder in my phone to come back and listen to this when i'm on the clock in august <laughs> True. and just take john's advice and literally do that in my draft i love that strategy this year so yes i'm i'm willing to go in on one of these top tier tight ends the advantage over your opponents is just massive. With that being said, let's get to, I want to say number two. I feel like it really is 1B in tight end rankings. That's how I feel about George Kittle this year, personally. He's two for all of us for a reason. Last season, we saw this defense for the Niners just be absolutely dominant. There is some regression coming for the defense, which means Debo Samuel's foot injury combined with potentially more pass attempts for Jimmy G. And you factor in George Kittle has never had more than five receiving touchdowns in his career in a season, it's coming eventually. The boom season is coming for George Kittle. I think it's this year. I think he's right there with Travis Kelsey just off of his pace. So I love George Kittle this year. Um, That's why I've got him at two. You guys agree? Uh, Any other thoughts there on George Kittle? Um, I mean, listen, the target upside might be the best it's ever been this year because they don't have Emmanuel Sanders. They don't have Debo Samuel for the start of the season, at least, who they probably expected would be their target leader. Um, so it's exactly, well, yes, of the (laughs) receivers. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Kittle's, receiving. Yes, the, core, the wide yes. receiver target leader. Um, so you've got George Kittle, and now where you had Sanders and Samuel, you're starting with Brandon Ayuk, who, by the way, as a result, I'm we do rising that. on for redraft. But oh, yes, yeah, it's going to be great for Kittle. Listen, I have six in my projections. Spoiler alert, because you have to get into the Patreon community to see all of them. But I have six points separating Kelsey and Kittle. 27 separating Kittle on the next tight end, and 70 separating Kittle yep. and the tight end six. Yeah. So <laughs> that is the difference you're getting with Kittle. He's right there with Kelsey. I agree, 1B. Love. Yeah, I still need to work out my projected numbers there for what that's going to look like. Um, I don't I don't know that he's going to be like that close, like six points off. Um I do think that he and Travis Kelsey are in a tier unto themselves. Um, although I could almost argue that it would be Kelsey in his own tier and then potentially Kittle and the mm. tight end three in a sub-tier. But Kittle's a stud. I, I mean, he's absolutely incredible after the catch. He punishes people. He's not the tight end that, like, does the catch falling down. Like, you know what I mean? You, you see those tight ends all the time that are, like, going to the ground as they're catching. It's like, no, give him the ball four yards past the line of scrimmage and watch him go try to stiff people into oblivion for 60 yards. It is absolutely <laughs> incredible to watch. Um, I'm a Seahawks fan, and I and I love that dude. He's so energetic, brings so much to the game. I love George Kittle. He's also going to be in contention for 1,000 yards and... I think that the touchdown number is going to be the only thing that potentially separates him from Kelsey. If he does have Great. a Boone touchdown year, he and Kelsey will be right there. Oh, yeah. Um, and also last year, guys, he played injured. Groin injury in, what is it, week six? Um, has a torn labrum in his shoulder he's been playing through. He also broke a bone in his ankle uh, in week nine. So the dude was playing way less than 100% last year and was still an absolute monster on the field. Um, one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. Love the dude. At tight end three in our consensus ranks, it is Zach Ertz. Guys, I feel like people have been saying, you know, Zach Ertz fall off is coming. Dallas Goddard's there. Until we see otherwise, I'm not going to believe it because he and Carson Wentz are right up there with the top receiver quarterback uh, you know um chemistries in the league and obviously we have to talk about it it sucks to talk about but we got to talk about what deshaun jackson did with his social media post um totally insensitive totally wrong totally inappropriate with what he posted but it has fantasy implications so we have to talk about it if they cut deshaun jackson guys remember alshon jeffrey is going to start on pup it doesn't matter how much you like Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz is the team's wide receiver one and tight end one this year. I think he's an absolute value in drafts because people keep talking about, oh, they drafted all these wide receivers and you know Jalen Rager is great. And he is, but he's a rookie. Zach Ertz, until he's not. Yeah. Um, listen, this is a really important situation to monitor, this Deshaun Jackson situation and what the Eagles decide to do there. Because if they decide to go away from or get rid of and or mm -hmm. cut in whatever way Jackson, even maybe suspend him from a team perspective, who knows? Zach Ertz is going to have a chance at the tight end target record, which he might already hold, to be honest. Uh, I'll have to check that. I think but, two years ago, didn't he break it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I'll double check it while you 156. talk, John. 156. Is that 156 his number? 156 two years ago. 
Yes. Yeah, I think that's the record. So he might break his own record. And by the way, in case you thought that was a crazy thing to say, he holds it. Um, And considering his talent and the fact that Carson Wentz is a good quarterback, if not a very good quarterback, but with nothing else to throw to pretty much except maybe Miles Sanders, he is going to feast. And the tight ends on this team are going to run the team. You'll find out how much we believe that in a bit. Spoiler alert. But Ertz is far and away going to be the king of this offense. And if the unless the Eagles absolutely fall apart as an offense and, you know, go f- six and ten and finishes last in the division with a Don't terrible <laughs> with a terrible season, <laughs> uh, Ertz is going to dominate. Completely dominate. So I think he's an easy three for me. So I I love Zach Ertz. Um I do love him. I do have him as four. In my rankings, um, because we did see a massive breakout uh, last year that I think is going to push him, that I think might find himself in better opportunity for touchdowns, which I think could be the difference. Um, but I completely agree. Zach Ertz is going to eat up targets like crazy. Um, his reception total is going to be absolutely absurd. He's chalk for like another thousand yard season in, you know, barring injuries, in my opinion. Um, he's great. He's fantastic. Chemistry matters, especially in off season like this, where there might not be a whole lot of opportunity for Carson Wentz to get on the same page with his three new, all young, deep, fast targets. Um, he's going to go to his, his safety blanket time and time and time again, and it's going to be Zach Ertz. So for me, three, four are very close. And in my opinion, the top four is like, you have a top four and then a massive fall off at the tight end position. Um, and Zach Ertz is very firmly within that top four for me. Definitely agree with that. Um, it's kind of ironic guys. I, you know, on Tuesday today, I was literally writing up, uh, for the, for the ballers we're writing up, um, everyone's taking a team or two and kind of running up, like it's called target practice. So you're basically like looking at the team and trying to project each player, each player in the passing games, floor and ceiling for targets mid typing i'm typing out zach Ertz. i see this thing about deshaun jackson and i'm like well shoot i have to change the ceiling <laughs> i had it at 155 it is at 170 I believe it. Oh! that is the ceiling yeah. for yes! zach Ertz. if if something happens with deshaun jackson now if he's on the roster and he's playing then that's a different story but man like i i honestly could see him like yep. finishing as the tight end one this year if those things happen so it's in the range of outcomes um certainly coming at, at a discount obviously compared to the known commodities of um, Kittle and Kelsey. On to uh, tight end, I almost said running back, tight end four <laughs> in the ranks is Mark Andrews. He comes in at four for me, five for Okada, three for John. Guys, Mark Andrews broke out in a massive way last year with Lamar Jackson. I think the reason I have him behind Zach Ertz mostly is because I think negative regression is coming in general for the entire offense for the passing attack. For Mark Andrews, who played a pretty low snap percentage, but caught a ton of touchdowns, and we talk about it every year, it's not the most sticky metric out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, with tight ends, it's a very interesting situation because with running backs and receivers, you want to see that snap percentage be as high as possible because that means they're on the field and having opportunity to make plays. With tight ends, sometimes if they're not on the field as often as another tight end, it's because the other tight end is the primary blocking tight end and the team likes to run a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you're the primary receiving tight end and your uh, your snaps are translating to targets at a much higher rate, which is what we saw with Mark Andrews, that's honestly fine. 
and yep. it kind of even nice because you don't have to worry about him getting hurt as much. Right. It's a great situation. So he's not getting rolled up on by a defensive end down on the offensive line as often. It's, yes. It, yeah, so Mark Andrews, listen, the only reason that he's not potentially in the top tier for me, and I have him the lowest of us uh, at five, and he's still in the in the second tier. Uh, but the only reason he's not in that top tier is because this team is not going to throw as much as those teams are. And he, he's going to have a big target share from a tight end perspective, but it's going to be of a small overall pie because this the Ravens offense is a run-first offense that's going to run through Lamar, Mark Ingram, and maybe even Dobbins now. And Andrews, despite his excellent... And it, by the way, they got rid of Hayden Hurst, so they mm-hmm. 100% believe in him. Uh, despite his excellent target share, is going to be somewhat limited on total targets and yards compared to these other guys. I do still think he has a great touchdown ceiling. I think I have him for more touchdowns than Kittle, and the same as Kelsey. So I love him. He's just behind, but basically in the same tier as uh, this next guy we're going to talk about and Ertz. So I'm sold. Yeah, the reason why I have him uh, ahead of Ertz is basically what you just indicated, his uh, touchdown opportunities. I think that he's going to be the red zone target for that offense. They don't have anyone else to throw the ball to down there on on the goal line. It's going to be all Mark Andrews. And they did have Hayden Hurst there. Not a Willie Sneed fan? Not not what? Not a Willie Sneed uh, fan? No. No. Get no. <laughs> Get out of here. Um no, they did have Hayden Hurst there last year. They still wanted to give Hayden Hurst some play. They wanted to give him his opportunities. He did cut into a little bit of the target share, which by the way, uh Andrews still had 98 targets. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's at 120 this year um in terms of his target number. Um, based on Hayden Hurst leaving and them having the full confidence in who he is now. I think that um, Mark Andrews cemented himself, in my opinion, as being one of the elite tight ends uh, for fantasy football. I don't have any reason to believe why he's not going to have 8 to 10 touchdowns. He had 10 last year, um, if not potentially more. I mean, his ceiling in touchdowns could be a lot higher. If they get down in the red zone and they feel like, hey, guess what? We've got this dude and he's a mismatch every time we throw the ball to him. Feed the guy. If he has a 12 to 14 touchdown season in him at some point in his career, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not saying it's happening this year. I'm not projecting it. But that's totally within the range of outcomes for him in that offense, which is very good because they run the ball a ton. And, yes, they're going to run for a lot of touchdowns. But when they are throwing it, it's going to Mark Andrews a majority of the time. So, in my opinion, that's why I have him just slightly above Ertz. Um, But Ertz with that target share that target total that he could potentially be pushing for they're very close to me at that three four spot the other thing too i talked about it with kittle you know last year on the website which you'll find this now on ballblastfootball.com not redshirtsfantasyfootball.com uh-huh. so this changes but last year on the site i was running up an injury report article every week and you guys remember mark andrews he was on the injury report several times throughout the year mm-hmm. with an ankle and a foot injury so he was playing banged up last year and we talk about this is one of my favorite stats to use from pff is the yards per route run metric mm, yes. guys as a rookie he came out and he was number four among qualified tight ends then he jumps to number two among tight ends last year so we see that being very predictive for success in the nfl case in point right here it's going to happen again for mark andrews um obviously he is at worst the second option if marquise brown takes a huge step forward but massive. that has to be a massive step like. so Either way, he's going to be you know, top of the pecking order there for targets in Baltimore. Next tight end, this guy is ahead of Andrews in Okada's ranks, 
It is my Scott Fishball tight end. It is Darren Waller. Do you guys also have him on your roster? <laughs> Okada shaking his head yes. I do not. John. I have... Uh, oh, our, come on. I dude. have our consensus tight end three, Zach Ertz, <laughs> on, on my roster. Actually stacked with Wentz. Fine. So I'm loving that. That's going very well. I like that. Guys, Darren Waller, another fantastic story. Obviously, he spent most of the early part of his career just kind of bouncing around a couple rosters, dealt with some addiction issues, and just comes out last year, finally gets it right. It's such a good story to see as the top target there for the Raiders. I guess my only question with Darren Waller, because I think he's a super talented dude. He's got the size. He was super effective after the catch last year, very athletic, is do we think the additions on the offense matter a ton so last year it was literally him and tyrell williams hunter renfro of course always underrated mm-hmm. but then they go out and they add um speed with henry ruggs and they bring in brian edwards who we like uh, another rookie there out of south carolina do those things matter to you guys for redraft 2020 when talking about darren waller mm, i mean in the sense that his targets might come down a, a tiny bit yes but in my opinion and this is why these guys fit into this tier uh, these five that we just talked about are the guys that are going to lead their team in targets. They are the number one target for their team. That's why they're in these tiers. And then after this, we see a huge drop off because that is no longer the case. For me, Waller is still the number one uh, target on that team. I do not expect a rookie Henry Ruggs to come in and be a target hog at all. Um, or certainly Brian Edwards. And I honestly think they could help the offense because that offense was not great and it, it the more they get into the red zone the more opportunity Darren Walls are going to have for touchdowns so if this team can get a little bit better overall I think it helps Darren Waller I still think he leads the team in pretty much every receiving category and it they it puts them the Raiders and him in better situations throughout the entirety of the season and gives him more opportunity for really high value fantasy touches so Yes, please. Waller is my four, and right in there with Ertz and Andrews. Yeah, I'm I'm not as sold um, on Darren Waller. I have him as my tight end seven. Um, I have oh! two guys. Um, who I need to pull up something really quick uh, while I'm talking. Hi, hater. Hi. S- um, silly <laughs> goose. For me, one of the things that I'm that's, looking that's at... my Twitter handle. <laughs> is what, I Hater? At Silly Goose. <laughs> at Silly no, Goose. No, at Silly Goose. I like that. That's right. Remember that show where we all got new Twitter <laughs> yes, handles? Yes, that, was, that was a really good one. <laughs> at Dynasty Toaster, uh, in case you remember. Yep. Um, that was a very, very good one. Um, to me, one of the things that I am slightly concerned about when looking at this offense is where the hell does Derek Carr get off thinking that he's a 70% completion guy? Um, I, I'm really, really concerned about that because over the course of his career, uh, I'll leave off his first year because he was a rookie at 58%. Um, after that, 61, 63, 62, a nice little clustering there. 2018, 68%, 2019, 70%. Is this like, is this to be expected? Is he, has he progressed that much over the course of, a six-year career that he's gone from a 58% completion guy to 70. I, I don't know. I'm wondering if that's a bit of an outlier. I'm wondering if I should expect some regression for that to come down a little bit. 
um, especially with the not wonderful weapons that they necessarily have around them. I'm just really concerned about this offense as a whole outside of Josh Jacobs, which is basically what it comes down to for me having uh, having Waller a little bit lower down on my poll. I, I have two other tight ends that I think could be in better offenses with more upside, more opportunity to score. Um, I'm concerned that what we saw to Darren Waller might have might have been an outlier and that we see his numbers come down. So that's that's basically the only reasoning that I have. I still have him firmly as a tight end one, um, but I don't think that I don't think you can consider him in the same tier as a, a Zach Ertz and Mark Andrews. I, I don't know. Those those are good teams, good offenses that should be able to produce some numbers. Um, even though you can make a lot of the same arguments in terms of uh, like Philly doesn't have the wide receiver weapons and neither does neither does the Raiders and and I get that, but I trust Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders and they have two tight ends to keep the ball moving there in Philly by the way not just the one which does help kind of mitigate some of that risk for not having great wide receiver weapons I trust that a lot more than I trust this Las Vegas Raiders offense. Um, which is why I've got him uh, picked down my list a little bit further. Hey, I mean, I don't think it's that hard to complete a pass that's three yards away from that. <laughs> right. True. So that 70% mark <laughs> might be accurate. It could hold up. It <laughs> yeah. Could. Moving forward. It could. I was pulling up the numbers. Uh, he completed 46% of his total yards uh, as air yards last year, which was the third is, lowest uh, in the Carr, league. Correct. Yes, Derek Carr. Third lowest in the league behind Jimmy G and Mason Rudolph. So, yes, he can keep up that completion percentage because I could keep up that completion percentage (laughs) throwing two feet away from me. Uh, Now, does that translate necessarily to great quarterback numbers? No, not unless you have great yards after the catch guys, which, to be fair, Derek Carr has some above average yards after the catch guys, which is why he was mildly decent last year overall. But for Darren Waller, as long as he does get his targets where he gets them, it doesn't really matter too much for him. And Carr, is, I think, is an accurate enough, uh, an, an average level quarterback that he can support a 110 target tight end with very good fantasy upside. Yeah, I agree on that. And, you know, just to speak to it, too, it's kind of crazy. Um, Darren Waller caught 90 footballs last year. Five of them were delivered uh, air yards, 20 yards down the field or more. The only tight end in the entire league that had more um, yards after the catch was George Kittle. So he kind of fits perfectly with what he wants to do. And the other thing, too, I think, John, you were talking about it, um, or you are going to on YouTube. You were mentioning, I think, via your three signal, was three touchdowns last year. And that is definitely coming up. If he gets the same or even just a little bit less target share than he did last year, it's bound to, to come to an average. So looking at five, six, seven touchdowns for Darren Waller is not out of the realm of possibility sure. at all. All right, guys, on to number six. And this is kind of where we finally start to differ a little bit. We've had this conversation multiple times with the Chargers. You two at six, like Hunter Henry quite a bit. I've got him at 10. Now, I'll just kind of reiterate in case anyone missed the last episodes. Or you could just I'm fading not, the Chargers since it's this year. Silly. That's true. I am the Dynasty Silly Goose. <laughs> <laughs> I am fading the Chargers this season, mostly because I don't trust either Tyrod Taylor, who's come out and has not thrown for more than 20 touchdown passes in a season, or more than 3,500 yards in a season, 
or Justin Herbert, who is a bit of a raw rookie. I just don't know. I'm not, you know, and, and even in an off season, right? Like they've been talking about Tyrod Taylor and backing him. Like he's our guy. He's our guy. He's our guy. Well, there's two ends of the spectrum. If you believe top 10 quarterbacks play in the NFL in year one, which the data suggests they do, you're going to get Justin Herbert in a weird off season. Not a lot of time to kind of mesh. I don't know. I'm just fading the chargers and I'm fading Hunter Henry. He's an obviously a talented dude. He's been great when he's given the opportunity with Phillip Rivers, but he's not there. And there's just major question marks for me about what that is going to look like. Oh, bets, 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 bets. What are we going to do with you? Listen, if there's one position that doesn't matter from a quarterback perspective, it's the tight end. Trash quarterbacks can still throw to good tight ends and produce because a tight end is a big, easy target. And the way that they run routes and the, the way they're using offenses in today's NFL, it's very easy to get them open. So Tyrod Taylor is a plenty fine quarterback. Not great. <laughs> Perfectly adequate. Certainly not. Such an insult. And Justin Herbert is a top-end first-round pick. Mm-hmm. I forget what that was about. I think that was Calvin Ridley. It was Calvin It's going to be very fine. It'll be yes. completely very fine. fine. Uh, who, let, let's be fair. I'm not drafting. If I knew what Chargers quarterback was going to be the starter all season, I would not necessarily be drafting them as a top-15 quarterback in fantasy. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be great. But I do think that they can support a very, very talented tight end well enough to be a high-end quarterback. I mean, we just a tight end. We just looked talked about Darren Waller. Darren Waller's quarterback last year was Derek Carr. You telling me Tyrod Taylor can't be as good as Derek Carr? Yes, Derek Carr is the greatest <laughs> of all time. Get out of here. <laughs> it does not take no, a lot. Listen, Tyrod's been Tyrod's been fine for fantasy. He's been fine. Because of his running. He's been very fine. That's what I mean. Exactly. Very fine. That's all you need. Very fine. You don't need a great quarterback. (laughs) Which is the best insult ever. Like, you were so average. I was so passive aggressive in that comment. Like, let's be honest. I was so passive aggressive. By the way, John, what the hell are you doing? My my boom (laughs) for my mic. um, For the non-YouTube listeners, John is struggling mightily with his microphone. You're doing it wrong. Anyway, back to Tyrod Taylor. problems here. All right. His rushing is really what has elevated him to be relevant in fantasy for us. It's not his arm. And that's kind of where I, you know, you go from like this I'm talking, pocket passer. I'm not talking about what he does for fantasy himself. I'm talking about what he can support player-wise. I don't know, man. I mean, I still got him top 10. Like, I, I would draft him, but I don't draft him where he's going for Hunter Henry. Johnny Poo? Mm. Thank you At for Johnny putting Poo that. I think you're putting that out into the world. Um, anyways, for our listeners, uh, <laughs> I'm not Johnny Poo. Um, here's my thing about here's my thing about Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry for me, I think goes completely under under noticed, underappreciated because of injury history um, and because he's not on the field as much as we would like to see him be on the field. When he is on the field, the dude's like a top three or four guy week in and week out. We saw it last year, even with wet arm Philip Rivers, wet noodle, um, still getting him the ball, him making plays after the catch, him being a great red zone weapon. Um, I truly believe that Hunter Henry is a top five talent at the tight end position in the NFL if he can stay healthy. Like That's what I believe in terms of his talent level at the position. I think he's incredibly good. And I just can't quit him. I cannot quit on Hunter Henry. I want to see him put together a full season so bad. 
Um, and I'd actually love at some point. Betts, write this down. Write an article about his injury history soon, please. Um, that's something that I think would be very you interesting. Got it, John. Just for Thanks, you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Um, I think yep. that'd be interesting. Where for, can they find that? Work at? Uh, you can find that at uh, ballblastfootball.com um, is where that, that work will be coming shortly. Um, but I think that he stays on the field. I think that he's healthy coming into this offseason, and I think that he is going to be whatever quarterback is back there's best friend. We saw Tyrod Taylor back in the day in his Buffalo days. He could not stop throwing to Charles Clay, of all people. He peppered that dude not with good. targets. They had no one else. He, right. <laughs> had no one and else. I, and I get that. And I know that they have other weapons available, but he loves throwing to the tight end position. He did have a healthy Sammy Watkins at that time, by the way. Young, healthy, prime sometimes, Sammy Watkins. Sometimes healthy. Well. Healthy. Okay. Foot, Anyways. That's a li- never healthy foot. Remember who you're talking to. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Uh, as a note, by the way, <laughs> just for the record, go back two years. Tight end six was Trey Burton on the Bears with second year Mitch oh, Trubisky, God. who you believe to be the worst quarterback in NFL history. And tight end eight <laughs> was David Njoku, who is now washed and been replaced on his own team uh, with rookie Baker Mayfield and a couple games of Tyrod Taylor. So, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not really saying. When I'm when I'm when I'm talking about the talent level for Hunter Henry and what I'm expecting out of him, I said previously that I think the top four guys are in their own tier, like within sub tiers within them. But I think that they are far and away above what I believe to be yes. further down that list. Coming in yes. at tight end six is not a thousand yard and ten touchdown, thousand yard and six touchdown tight end. <laughs> Even though Okada, Okada seems to think that Hunter Henry is going to have nineteen hundred yards and seventeen touchdowns this year, based on oh, our past boy. conversations. Um, <laughs> if you tell me that Hunter Henry has 700 to 750 yards and five touchdowns on the season, I think that that is completely fair. And I think that that puts him right in the middle of being a tight end one. I, I think that For that the record, gets the job done right in that range. That, that, that's almost exactly where I have him projection-wise, a little Thank above you. that in both categories. But I fully agree with John. When I talked about George Kittle and how far above tight end six he was, Hunter Henry at my tight end six is 40 points in my projections behind Mark Andrews, who's one spot above him. That is a tear break here. It is massive. So, And he's clumped up with the next two guys as well. So it's not nearly the same as talking about the five guys we just talked about because I believe those guys are locked and loaded target hog tight ends who have got the talent and the opportunity and the quarterbacks to be great Hunter Henry is a much lower level piece that I'm still willing to invest in because I know the talent is there Mm -hmm. and I know the targets will be there enough that he can outdo the rest of the tight ends in this grouping or be in their range at least and I also think that this offense is not as bad as Betts is going to say it's going to be this year. And I think, that of course not. Going, I mean, we I all know that. that. Yeah, obviously, everyone because Betts is a silly goose. Literally, everybody <laughs> knows that. I think Betts, they're going to be just fine, what? and they're going to move the ball down the field, and he's going to have scoring opportunities. Just out of curiosity, Betts, and we maybe make this a Betts bet. I don't know, but should be scoring offense rank. Where do you think they'll be? Oh, I'd have to pull up my projections to. See where I have them. Let me pull up my spreadsheet. I want to say like, let me pull up my spreadsheets here in my uh, calculator as well. Um, I have them. Please hold. I have them at. 
19th. In touchdowns? Yes. That's more than I have, and you still hate Hunter Henry. Really? Yes, and you hate Keenan Allen. Where are you who's scoring the touchdowns going for you? <laughs> Mike Will, breakout oh, season, maybe. finally. That's what Betts is saying. Oh, yes, that's I'd true. Be so he happy. probably had Mike Williams for 14 touchdowns. <laughs> probably. I'd be so happy. No, it's not oh, happening, my listeners. No, it's not. It's not happening. It could happen. So anyways, that's where I think... All that, right, moving yeah, on before John can speak to that. Yep. Boys, we got to pause for just one quick second. And, you know, draft season's right around the corner. We got to talk about it. Mm. If you don't show up to your draft, whatever it looks like this year, I know it's a weird offseason you know big meetings are happening but you got to show up at least to like the end of the year you know league meeting so to speak trophy presentation with the trophy smack trophy and if you don't show up with one of those it's not gonna be a good look trophysmack.com guys is legit they've got everything you need draft boards they've got trophies belts rings you have it they name it there's rumblings that we potentially get another ring for the listener league oh. this year I'm just saying, they did it last year, they gave it to us for free, they're good people, great products, and now, go to their website, trophysmack.com, when you use our code REDSHIRTS, you're going to get a free ring with the purchase of any trophy or belt. To me, guys, it's a no-brainer, check it out, trophysmack.com. Alright, on to tight end 7, this is a guy who came onto the scene in a huge way last year, Down the bottom half of the, of oh the, the stretch of the season was just unreal, guys. Tyler Higby. now, we're kind of like split in the middle right here. Okada at 7, I'm at 9, John's at 11. So obviously John thinks major aggression coming from what we saw last year. I'm with him in that aspect. But Okada, maybe you see a little more upside with Higby here with your ranking of 7. Talk to me. I mean, okay, listen. You want to talk about the upside, let's just go to the numbers. I feel like we may have talked about these at some point. Now, let me preface this by saying, I'm not saying that this tiny sample size dictates what he will do in 2020. Because that would be silliness. But... Last five games of 2019, when Higby broke out after Everett went down with an injury, 522 yards on 43 catches with two touchdowns. If you projected that to a 16-game season, gentlemen, 179 targets, 138 catches, 1,670 yards. Good. That is the production Tyler Higby was putting out over that five-game stretch. Now, there is literally no chance that anything close to that happens in 2020. However, I also don't think there's a chance that a player that performs that well for his team over a stretch of five games, you know, we're not talking about one game, five games is a sample size at least, even if it's not a great one, there's no way that he disappears this next year. I I don't think there's any way that he even splits evenly with Everett because Everett had his chance during the beginning of the season and was decent to okay. Higby was out of this world incredible with the opportunity that he got. He is going to come down to earth, okay? He's he's not even going to be a 1,000-yard guy. I don't even have him as an 800-yard guy. But it doesn't take anywhere close to that to be a mid-range tight end one. It takes six to 700 yards and five to six touchdowns. Yep. And based off what we saw from Tyler Higby from just a talent perspective at the end of last year and how well he worked for that offense, I think that's so within the realm of possibility that I'm buying him here. And you you don't have to buy him here, by the way, to get him because he's not going this high in drafts. Johnny Pooh, thoughts? Gosh, 
gotta stop that man um <laughs> what we do behind closed doors is none of our listeners business bets um <laughs> so you're not helping by the way what the listeners think of the situation by saying that yeah. uh oh, Betts is getting married in uh three weeks by the way to all of our listeners true big big shots. good god what yeah, very excited you better get prepped Ooh. that's uh that's that's happening. Um, so Tyler Higby haven't eaten a carb in four I weeks. I believe it. Shred for the wed, buddy. Um, <laughs> Tyler Higby definitely put up an absolutely absurd second half of the season. I think that that offense was still trying to figure out a lot of things as the season went on. Should we deal with Gurley? What's his workload like? How are the targets getting distributed down the stretch? They went. You know what? We're just going to go to twelve personnel and we're going to feed the tight ends and a little bit of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup really suffered down that stretch. So I expect Cooper Cup to regain his role as a very prominent aspect in this offense. I expect Robert Woods to have a very prominent role in this offense, but I don't expect this offense as a whole to have the capacity to support massive production Tyler Higby. I agree with what Okada's saying. 600 yards and, and five touchdowns, fine. That that sounds completely adequate to me. I've just got a couple tight ends ranked ahead of him that I think are going to outproduce those numbers. Um, again, when you get to the, kind of the second half of your tight end ones, it, it's all kind of... At this point, you're, you're looking at a very, very similar floor, and you're trying to rank ceiling. That's kind of what you're looking at when, when ranking the back half of tight end ones and who you want to take. Who do you think has an opportunity to have that breakout campaign where they're the next Mark Andrews of last year, or they put themselves into that top five echelon. That's kind of what you're looking at. I don't see that as being Tyler Higby. He had an absolutely absurdly productive, uh, ridiculously efficient stretch run last year. I think he comes back down to earth and he's a completely adequate uh, mid to late tight end one, but I don't think that he's a guy that I'm ranking with the ceiling of being able to do what some of these other guys might be able to. Yeah, I think both sides of that is is fair, and that's why I have him right in the middle, because I'm not sure what he's going to be this year. I mean, Gerald Everett was this team's tight end one for the first half of the season. When Sean McVay had the choice on a neutral playing field, he said, Gerald Everett, you're the dude. Tyler Higby, you can play a little bit. And then uh, Everett got hurt, and Higby came in and stole the show. Now, does he just say, okay, that's my dude, we saw it last year, or is there a little bit more of a balancing act? I tend to think there's going to be a balancing act between these two tight ends, and that's why I think Gerald Everett is an absolutely screaming buy in dynasty formats. Um, I'm not ready to give up hope on him quite yet, but I think Tyler Higby is the tight end one for this team this season. I've got him at nine. I'm just not sure that what we saw last year is really even remarkably close to what could be this season. Also, quickly, I want to make sure that I'm accurate for our listeners. I forgot to sort the data based off tight ends. The LA Char- are after tight, uh, touchdowns. LA Chargers are at 28th in touchdowns okay. for me. That's why I have them so that low. That makes much more I was sense. Not that, sorting the data correctly. That, that makes much uh, more sense and much less sense because 28th is trash. Yeah, right there with the Broncos, buddy. That is buddy. so bad with those weapons. Good gracious. Quarterback play, man. Moving on. All right, on to number eight, Evan Ingram. Guys, I think you could argue he's probably, what, top three talent in, top in terms of athleticism, yeah. four. four. Really good, but, man, I, I'm i concerned. I've got him at 12. Okada's with me at 12. John, you're at five. 
For me, this has nothing to do with anything except for injury. He's coming off of Liz Frank surgery. We know performance goes down by about 21% the following year. His injury came late in the season. I'm not sure he's going to be himself for the first two months of the year. Oh. And so honestly, with ranking him at tight end 12, I would say like that's assuming everything goes well in the second half of the year. I'm kind of out on Evan Ingram from a where you have to draft in perspective and where I have him ranked, I won't have him this oh, year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm uh, moving him down my board right now because that changes everything. Mm, okay. That changes. <laughs> that injury info, though. That info, um, though. Live updates on the show. Yeah, Listen, no uh, when I do my projections, I do not account for missed games. I basically project everyone for 16. Basically. There are a very few projections this year, including Debo Samuel and Evan Ingram, where I straight up say, you are not playing 16. Get out of my face. <laughs> I am taking games away from you. Evan Ingram uh, and Will on, Fuller, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, someone asked two. me on Twitter today, if I gave Ingram the whole uh, 16 games, where would he be for me? And he would be in the tight end five or six area. And I have him all the way down to 12. And it's because I said, no, you do not get 16, Evan. You cannot stay healthy. I said no. Your injuries are... <laughs> concerning recurring uh how much bets he's missed i believe five and eight games over the last uh each of the last two seasons so that's nearly half his games i'd have to look it up but that sounds about right yeah um that's just not reliable enough and it's really unfortunate because on that team i think he would be one of the guys we were talking about earlier in that tier of top target on their team i think he would probably be right in the conversation with Slayton and Tate to lead the Giants in targets. But I just can't do it. I can't buy him. The price is is hurting me as well because he's going as a tight end six-ish, somewhere in that range where I would have him with 16 games. And I can't pay that price because I feel like you're buying him pretty much at his ceiling. It's I'm out. I'm out completely. No Evan Ingram for me. Sorry. I need to see a couple seasons of full health. Yeah, no, that, that changes a lot for me because I, I didn't really have a clear picture of his injury history. I, I was basically going on the determination, again, that Evan Ingram isn't going to play 16 because he never plays 16. But I was thinking like, all right, if I can give him 13 to 14 games this year on an offense that I think is ascending with a second-year quarterback with Darius Slayton taking a second step forward at wide receiver with stud Saquon in the backfield – I think this offense has the opportunity to kind of shape up and, and be productive. And he would be either the target leader or the secondary target probably on that offense. Um, although actually, now that I think about it, that might be really kind of an even split between Slayton, Saquon, and Evan Ingram. Um, but he would have a very, very healthy target share in that offense. Um, which is And yes, I believe in the talent. I think that he's absolutely incredibly gifted. So that's kind of why I had him there at the six. Um, if he's not going to be himself for two months of the season and his ADP is at tight end six right now, no thanks. That that changes a yep. lot, and I'm I'm not willing to invest. I mean, he's probably going at that price point. What's that eighth round, something like that in in startups? Something like that. Yeah. No thanks. I I have no desire to to do that for someone that's not going to be healthy. Um, or back to his normal self for for two months of the season. So um, that changes it. I still think he could be very productive down the stretch of the season. Also give him the nod and put him at 12 uh, for that reason. Um, but I'm not going to sacrifice 
six to eight weeks of fantasy football at the tight end position by investing an eighth round pick in a tight end that's not going to be healthy and contributing. Yeah, season's too short. And, and I'm not saying he won't be ready for week one. He very well could be, but the data suggests like the explosiveness, the right. movement, the cutting isn't the same. So he might be there week one. I'm just not counting on it. And I'm willing to kind of look at his injury history and say, let's let's fade him as a, a, a podcast this season. Maybe guys, one flag him as a trade target midseason. Oh, yeah, I like that. Week, I like week that. five. One month week in. Five. Yeah. 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 Go get him. I can dig it. Um, one guy that I am really excited about. I've got him at six. It is Mike Gesicki. Woo, Okada buddy! At eight. John at 16. I, our consensus, nine. Guys, I believe what we saw last year was real with Mike Gesicki. Now, everyone's going to say the splits with Preston Williams is different. Well, guess what? Preston Williams is coming off of a torn ACL. And also, guess what? Everyone else out there. Chan Gailey, he doesn't use the tight end. Well, guess what? Mike Kosicki is the furthest thing from a tight end. Fact. He is a slot wide receiver, and the slot yep. wide receiver in Chan Gailey's offense absolutely eats. So I'm in on Mike Kosicki. Um, loved him coming out of college because he is the same as Evan Ingram, right? That really talented tight end uh, that plays in the slot. I think he could be an absolute steal in drafts. And in best ball formats, like I love where I'm getting him. Like 15th, 16th round, last pick of the draft. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, also, to the people who say, you know, Preston Williams splits, yikes, I'm scared, or anything else, by the way, about Mike Asigi in the negative, recall that he was a second-year tight end last year who got 32 targets as a rookie. Then he got 89 targets last year, and he was very good with them. Five touchdowns, 570 yards. This is a tight end entering his third year in the NFL, which... Typically is the year we start to think about them breaking out, yep. let alone have them already pretty much have broken out. And there's a chance, we don't know how high it is, that he is going to have better quarterback play sometime this season if Tua comes in. Now, look, I'm operating off basically little to no Tua, and I'm still loving Mike Kosicki. So that's just an extra bonus if it happens. But like Bet said, this guy is an athletic talent tons of explosiveness yep. huge touchdown upside we are talking like i don't want to say this guy could be the next gronk but he could be the next kelsey ish level tight wow. end it, of all the guys we've talked about even or any guy we're actually going to talk about for the rest of this show or any guy left in the nfl for that matter <laughs> i think that kasiki has the best chance of being that next elite tight end that's currently not being considered that way at all because of his talent, because of his athletic ability, and because of the opportunity on that offense. Now, I don't think the offense is going to be great, but I don't need it to be necessarily because Gasicki is going to eat on it from a tight end perspective, at least. You know, 100 targets is eating for a tight end, and that's basically where I have him. So, uh, yeah, I love Gasicki. I don't have him quite as high as you, bets because the risk is a bit too much. In fact, uh, I bake risks into all my projections, and if you take the risks that I have on him out, he's even higher. He's above Higby and more in the Hunter Henry range. Um, but I've baked in a good amount of risk just because we don't necessarily know what's going to happen with quarterbacks. He's still a third-year player, and we're not too sure what's going to happen, but I love him. Yeah, Mike Kosicki, here's a really fun offense to think about in college. Penn State offense, 2017. Who was their running back? Saquon. Who was their wide receiver one? Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Who was their tight That's end? That's some good fantasy. Mike Gesicki. That is an Mike offense, Gesicki. people. Too bad they had Trace Swirly at quarterback. Um, 
but that is yeah, he, was, he was very fine he was very, very fine. fine very fine for that <laughs> offense but that offense you look back you go watch games from 2017 you're like holy crap talk about talent Gesicki was such a stretch yeah. player dude can absolutely stretch a field he can jump with the best of them great jump ball target red zone weapon I uh, totally agree with that to me when I'm doing my ranking here though I think there's just a lot of risk. I, I, I'm I not going to rank him aggressively like Betts is, um, basically banking on that massive step forward third-year breakout. I absolutely think it's it's very possible that he does that. I still love him at a value. If I'm going kind of zero tight end and I'm going to wait until the later rounds, Gusecki is absolutely the target that I want in those later rounds at value, for sure. I just can't rank him that high because I think there is so much risk with this offense this year. Um, so I, I'm very concerned about about that. But yeah, he absolutely could be the slot receiver that gets 100 targets and has six to eight touchdowns. It's possible. Um, they might go through a quarterback change midseason. I don't know, though. There's just a lot of weird, weird stuff there. I'm all in Gusecki for Dynasty, 100%. Like, give me that. But in terms of redraft rankings, I'm just a little apprehensive right now on where I want to put him. Yeah, if you want him in Dynasty, the time is it's now. Right now. If you wait till the end of the year, halfway through the year, you're done. It's not going to happen. You got to trade for him right now before the season starts because I agree. He is a screaming buy. And Okada called that in January of this last mm. year. He said, do it now. It's going to be too late. The window is still open. Do it now. Mm. Tight end 10 in the ranks is Hayden Hurst, guys. Okada at 10, I'm at 8, John's at 12. Listen, guys, we we know the, the story of the offseason. It seems like everyone is talking about Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst. Like, that's what Twitter is all about these days. But there's a good reason, right? They vacated the most targets in the league. Um, you know, we've seen the, the tight end be productive. There's question marks with Hayden Hurst, no doubt about it. Everyone assumes he's just going to be Austin Hooper. Well, guys, Mark Andrews beat him out, and he was taken in the third round of the NFL draft, while Hayden Hurst was taken in the first round in Baltimore. So I'm not convinced that he is great or he is going to be a top five tight end the way some people are projecting. Like, you got to go get Hayden Hurst. Like, everyone's all about it. I like him. I'm interested. I'm rising on him. But I think the hype might start to get out of control to the point where in August I might be out if that continues to happen. So let, let me impart something to the listeners. We have now entered the tier of tight ends that I just despise. Because from Don't want him. Uh, I have one guy above Hayden Hurst within this tier who we actually won't talk about on this show. It's Jack Doyle. I for some reason well, I, like I, I really like Jack Doyle this year. Oh, well, it's for a very specific reason. It's a targets. But anyways, from nine <laughs> tight end nine for me, which is Jack Doyle, down to tight end sixteen. Ten fantasy points separate those guys. <laughs> yeah, at that point eight you're tight streaming. ends in that tier. You're streaming and. Hayden Hurst is squarely in that tier, which means there's no point in drafting him here because he's higher than a bunch of other guys in that tier. I'll just go for the last guy in that tier, and you are just going to get whatever one of these guys is on the waiver wire if you want, like you guys said, stream. Right. There, I, I am not waiting until this tier if I can help it, and if I am, I'm probably going for somebody that I think has more upside, um, like maybe Austin Hooper or Jonu Smith, mm-hmm. even Blake Jarwin, Ian who Thomas. could potentially break out. Sure, Ian Thomas. Mm-hmm. Hayden Hurst is a guy that he falls where he does in my rankings because I think he's going to get targets on a team that throws a lot, but I don't see him as a breakout guy. Like, if you told yep. me I could have Mike Kosicki's upside or Hayden Hurst's safety, it would be a little bit of a question. 
But then if you told me Mike Kosicki's upside or Hayden Hurst's upside, I would laugh in your face. Because Hayden Hurst has none. <laughs> so he's here. He's fine. He's the Tyrod Taylor of tight ends. Sure. But not really. Get wrecked. Hayden Hurst is the vanilla ice cream of the tight end position for yes. 2020 redraft. He will be oh, completely fine. And he will get the yep. job done on a it's, very pass-heavy offense. Uh, if you want 60 yards with touchdown upside every week, that's probably about what Hayden Hurst is going to be. Uh, it'll be completely adequate, co-signed, moving on. <laughs> you know what this is? You you walk up to the, the window at the ice cream um, shop, I guess. Is that even the right word? Sure. <laughs> ice cream yep. store or whatever it is. It could be the truck. You're going, out, you're going out for ice cream, ice cream truck. And they're like, hey, man, you guys have like mint chocolate chip or chocolate peanut butter. And they're like, no, 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 we just got vanilla. You're like, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Sure. <laughs> That'll do. Hayden Hurst. That'll there he is. work. <laughs> tight end 11 in the ranks is the second tight end on a team that we already talked about. It's the Eagles. Dallas Goddard, guys, comes in at 11 in our ranks. John at 9. Okada and I both at 11. So we're kind of all right there. Um, I think for me, you know, we talked about it with Ertz. It's basically the fact that I don't trust Alshon Jeffrey at all. Do not draft him. I have major question marks about Deshaun Jackson's health, let alone this whole social media post thing going on. Dallas Goddard saw 87 targets last year. Mm. Like, if you told me he's going to see 95 targets this year with that offense, the way they throw the football, yeah, the touchdowns are coming for Dallas Goddard. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how much I'm okay buying a second tight end on an NFL team amidst this mess of other guys. And by the way, I will say that Dallas Goddard is one of those guys with higher upside if something were to happen to Ertz. Oh, I don't yeah. think he has elite upside if Ertz is healthy all year. Uh, he's going to be fine, just like the guys we're talking about in this tier. But he's one of the few guys who you're going to get decent production from and have potential tight end handcuff, if you will, value that could be a, literally a top five tight end if Ertz goes down. So he's one of the guys in this tier who I am willing to go for if I for some reason get stuck drafting in this tier, which I don't want to do. Again, don't do it, listeners. Uh, But yes, he he has great chance of being productive, floor and ceiling. I'm fine getting him. Crazy. We we talked on our wide receiver show two times ago, and we were talking about potential offenses that can support two fantasy wide receiver ones in the same offense. I can't think of the last time that there were two tight end ones from the same offense. Um, Might have been Indy in the Andrew Luck days. Colby Fleener. I think you might have had a two tight end year there with uh, Colby Fleener in the mix. Um, But it's very, very rare. It could happen in this offense this year um, because they got nothing else. It's going to be the tight ends and the running backs. And then some deep shots, and that's going to be the entirety of the offense. Um, And, like, some bubble screens and stuff like that to get Jalen Rager and and others the ball in space. But I think that, yeah, Dallas Goddard is a very talented tight end that they literally took just to spit in the face of uh, Dallas, and it makes me laugh so hard that they did that. But he's very talented. They now find themselves in a two-tight end set a majority of the time. Both those tight ends are going to get targets. Uh, Goddard... Is going to be completely fine on his own if something does happen to Zach Ertz and Ertz is getting up there. If Ertz pulls up lame and misses some time, all of a sudden Dallas Goddard, everyone's going to be checking to see if he's available. Don't let him be available. Um, he's going to be a very, very good tight end 
on his own, and if something does happen, again, could be top five. Yeah, it's super interesting. And, and, you know, just looking at what this team did with the draft and their offseason moves, like they said, speed to us is so, so important. They went out and got Jalen Rager, speed strategy TCU, um, good at other things too, but lots of speed. John Hightower out of Boise State ran a 4-4-3-40. He's got speed. Marquis Goodwin is literally a track star. They want to open up the offense. They want to open up downfields so that Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard can absolutely smash in the intermediate passing game, and I think they will. Guys, last year, just uh, second to the Ravens were the Eagles in terms of targets going to the tight end position, so they use them a lot. I think that continues in 2020. Rounding out the show, at tight end 12, it is Jared Cook. Okada, absolutely not a fan of Jared <laughs> Cook at 16 I am at seven, and John is at ten. Now, Okada, maybe I can just shorten this argument up for you a little bit. Is this the the situation where they're all just right there? They're so close that it yes, it is. It doesn't matter. Like nine to sixteen is the same person. Jared okay. Cook is the bottom of my yucky tier that I talked about. He's basically <laughs> interchangeable with Jack Doyle, seven spots higher at tight end nine. So this ranking is very misleading. I will say Jared Cook had a crazy efficient year last year. He had fewer targets and catches than almost any other season in his career, but he had the highest yards per reception by three yards per reception of his career, and he scored nine touchdowns despite only 65 targets. That is a crazy touchdown rate. So I think a lot of that comes down this year. I think we're going to be a little bit uh, happy-go-lucky with him after what we saw last season. Also, he's 33 now. Yes, he was 32 last year, so he was already old. But at this point, every year works, matters right? more and more. <laughs> yes, that is how it works. The year before that, he was 31. True. <laughs> um, I, uh, basically, he's at the bottom here because of this massive yucky tier. I think he's the one with possibly the least upside. He's not going to break out and suddenly be a crazy tight end at age 33. And those touchdowns and yards per reception, I think, both come down. So I'm not buying Jared Cook. Sorry. Yeah, I basically think that um, this is a highly efficient passing offense with a highly efficient quarterback and a highly efficient wide receiver, and they move the ball down the field. Um, and Jared Cook put himself in a position to be a very friendly target, uh, benefited a lot in the red zone, got a lot of touchdowns out of it. Um, I, I think that he carved out a very nice role last year, and nothing on that offense changed except for them bringing in Emmanuel Sanders. Um, what do you mean nothing changed except for them bringing in Emmanuel Sanders? <laughs> if you can let me finish my sentence, he's going to be the firm wide receiver two on that offense, um, and he's going to carve out from Jared Cook a little bit. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I'm not ranking him as being a top five dude. Settle your horses. Dang. But, like, but is there any chance that Emmanuel Sanders has not become the third target on that team supplanting Jared Cook? Uh, No, that should that absolutely seems... happen. But that's a big deal. Okay, dude, just relax, man. <laughs> Stop interrupting. If you go and you look. Would you just be chill, Just bro? be chill, dude. Dang. <laughs> like, just settle. Um, if you look at last year, he was the tight end seven. I'm ranking him with regression. Like, Emmanuel Sanders is going to come in. He's probably going to be I'm the number saying, three target. I'm not saying your ranking is crazy. I'm saying saying that Emmanuel Sanders coming in is no change except a little bit of Emmanuel Sanders. He is going to be the number three target on that team, and Jared Cook is going to fall. All right. As a result. Maybe. Cool. It's well, possible. Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Oh, what do you mean? You're getting way too overexcited I mean? about talking about the impact of Emmanuel Sanders on Jared <laughs> Cook. Like, 
Easy there, Tiger. Yes. Way too He's excited. coming in. It's going to be an impact. <laughs> Sanders is going to be the third target on that offense. There's still going to be enough meat on the bone for uh, Jared Cook to eat a little bit. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be a top five fantasy tight snacks. end. Some He'll get snacks. some snacks. He'll be a guy that's going to give you 60 yards, <laughs> 70 yards, and maybe a touchdown five times a year. Maybe six. Like, that's what Jared Cook's going to be. It's enough for me for him to be a low-end t- tight end one. Well, my dad jokes are getting worse, so I think it's time to end the show there. <laughs> That's saying something. <laughs> that is too. the top 12. Yes. Top 12 tight ends for 2020. Guys, good discussion there. Um, the full rankings will be up soon on patreon.com slash ball blast. We will have some of our rankings available, but of course we'll have like our top 200, um, deep dynasty rankings on Patreon, all that sort of stuff, projections, etc., is on there. So go check that out guys. We are back probably next week at some point. We're going to switch. Like we talked about with the merger with, with ball blast to more of a dynasty focus. We kind of wanted to like round out our rankings for the year, maybe then kind of regroup and see what we're going to do. So stay tuned. Dynasty focused show coming at you probably next week. Have a great weekend. Until next time, Rather Richards. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.